Hey guys and girls and welcome to this week's edition of the Extended Bench Podcast. My name's Christian and as always on the other side of the desk is my mate Matt. Matt, how you doing today buddy? Not too bad. Um, geez, what a round. Oh mate, it was carnage. I can't, I... I t- I'll tell you what, so Thursday night I was, I was riding high. I was like, <laughs> this is going to be a good round. There were some awesome scores Thursday night. There was a... One of our boys we backed in, Jackie Steele, ended yeah. up smashing it yeah. out of the park. I was feeling pretty good Thursday night, and then it went progressively more and more downhill from oh there. Oh, God. Um, mean, there yeah, were just so wow. many bullets to dodge, weren't there? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people would have had the big guys, and what we're going to do is we're going to go through a lot of those injuries and a lot of those uh, non-selections <laughs> next, but realistically, there would be people out there who copped all three of the big ones in, you know, uh, Smith. Raul and Ward being a late out as well, which yeah. just would have been a nightmare. So that's three zeros basically on your field. Absolutely. There'd be a lot of people too who would have had Brander potentially on their field. Jeez. Mm, I mean, it, honestly, it's just, it was a horrible situation on the weekend. And we want to dive through some of those in depth and just see mm. what we should do about those. So the first one, obviously, and the big name for us fantasy footy coaches out there is Matty Raul. Yeah. That just hurts. I mean, honestly, yeah. I think that's the closest I've come to shedding a tear in a long time. Just that. <laughs> watch it. I mean, he was... I, I thought he was top three for the Brownlow after the first five rounds. He'd been pretty amazing. Um, loved watching him. Um, so it's a bad shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't heard anything yet on how bad, but I, you'd think he's missing time. Yes, yeah, so I've Probably seen Gold, a fair bit of time. Gold Coast have come out and said that they're not <coughs> uh, going to make the decision on whether they go to surgery just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not sure whether they'll push him through and get him to play uh, as many games as he can. Um, but realistically, first year player, I think why wouldn't surgery. they send him into surgery? Mm-hmm. They, they, they will definitely be taking him to surgery. So you, you don't want to risk his future career for the sake of this year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. I expect him to go into surgery, which probably means the year. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I would say, given the shorter year, yeah, probably, with fantasy season. So, uh, yeah, I'd say you'd be looking at at least two to three months, similar to what Taranto had almost yep. after that sort of surgery. So, look, if you own him in fantasy, you have to trade him out. It, yep. You have to take advantage of the cash he's made. If you own him in uh, redraft league, trade him out, find someone on the waiver wire, or if anyone out there is willing to take a risk on him and give you a decent player um, in the hopes that Matty Rao will come back onto the field in the next few weeks, take that trade. Yeah, I'd be shocked if you're getting any of those no, deals. You're but... getting a waiver wire pick. Yeah. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. if you own him in keepers, he's an obvious hold. There's no question there whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. Because you'd think if you got him in keepers, you're probably not contending this year. No. Um, <laughs> uh, Bailey Smith. <clears throat> uh, concussion for Bailey in the very first few minutes of the game. Yep. I'm hopeful that he might be good to play. Mm. I'm actually hoping, though, that he they um, give him the week off because it will make the decision to trade him out a lot easier because we'll get to this a question down the track, but I'm not actually convinced he's going to be top six forward at the end of the year. So this might be a good excuse to actually move him on. Yeah, I don't think he'll be a top six forward at the rate he was going at prior, but I think also <laughs> it would just be handy if they... I mean, I don't want to be forced to make two trades in one week but 
if they at least let us know, the Bulldogs have the Sunday game this weekend. So Which there's does gonna increase be, his chances of playing. It increases them, but it also increases the stress <clears throat> that coaches will go through because if he's named, there is a very good chance that he might still be a late out with concussion protocols. So very true. We're, uh, so make sure you've got a... <laughs> um, a forward bench <laughs> emergency emergency this round. Um, but yeah, just to go through the, uh, the formats, um, if he's named to play, I'm holding him this week. If he's not, he's a trade. Yeah, I probably will be forced to hold him because I'll probably have other stuff to There's do. There's so but, much other stuff. Um, with only yeah. two trades now as well. Yeah, if it had happened a week early, it would have made it a lot oh, easier. Geez, it would have been so... <clears throat> oh. um, uh, in uh, redraft, he's a hold. Yep. And in keeper, he's an obvious hold as yep, well. So absolutely. No, no question. Um, the other big one was Ward being a late out. So we mentioned that. Yeah. Um, I think there would have been a fair few people that would have had him. He was a bit underpriced to start the year. So that that definitely hurts. I think you're holding him because he didn't. at least he didn't play for a zero and he's going to then lose uh, out on his low break even and not make you as much cash. When he comes back onto the field... Things will be all right. He'll start generating cash again. If he's named to play this week, just keep him in your team. No question. Absolutely. Um, And then we get to the debacle that is the Richmond team (laughs) at the moment. It's uh, it's just ridiculous. I mean... Talk about a team copying it in one week. It sucks so much. The injuries and the... Well, uh, there are legitimate reasons that two of the players aren't going to the Mm -hmm. hubs, which I completely respect, obviously, with kids around the corner. Yeah, so Um, Hooley and Shane Edwards mm -hmm. not going up. Um, Makes the decision in salary cap a lot easier for Hooley. Because we've been talking for weeks now on whether you needed to get him in or not. Well, there are a lot of people who might have bought... Hooley in for Howe as the ultimate upgrade to the form defender of the comp and that would just yeah. suck so hard. Again, one week off from actually yep. really working for us, but he I'm pretty sure he still went up in price again this week so... No, he lost. He lost Did cash. He? he lost cash this week. Oh, um, that's just rubbing salt in yeah, the wind. Yeah, it, it wasn't as great. So he only had 59 in uh, uh, fantasy this week, Hooley. So he had a bad score for the people that might have bought him in for Howe and he went down in price. Not not a good result. No. Um, so he's a must trade as well because he's yep. going to be missing out on at least a month to six weeks. I would suggest. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's five five weeks minimum. Five weeks. Okay. And I not, think I don't think they'll bring him over after three weeks to quarantine him for two without being able to play with yeah, the rest of the doesn't team. Doesn't make any sense. Um, Shane Edwards again also a must trade if you do happen to own him. Um, yeah. Even in redrafts but and for, keepers. for me it's more a case of redraft where that's really going to hurt because what do you do with him in redraft? Exactly. You, you can't do anything. You just chuck him to the waiver list. He might be on a lot of people's waiver lists anyway. Um, and with Cochin... Um, Prestia. Cochin, Prestia. Prestia is a syndesmosis. That looks like a very long-term injury. Yeah. Have to trade. Yeah. Um, Cochin is probably a hold because it looks like a low-grade hamstring. This is all in draft as well, by the way. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't expect either of them to be highly owned in salary cap, but right. yeah, in draft, I agree. Um, and then the other players, mm. Nank really isn't a, a fantasy football guy. He had a good week uh, back last week, but I would suggest <laughs> that you have to trade him out anyway with syndesmosis. Yes, I would think so as well. Um, what I mean, it sucks for Richmond, um, but from a fantasy perspective, from adversity comes opportunity. And I'm really go. looking forward to seeing who, I guess, takes their chances mm-hmm. over the next month or so. Really excited in particular, Jack Graham, mm. Jack Ross. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. So I 
I honestly am a little bit more excited for someone the likes of, I think Shea Bolton will come back into the side and be yep, played a lot more through the midfield. And when he played in the midfield last year, mm-hmm. he added an X factor and he scored very well fantasy-wise. Yep. No, I, I agree with that. See, what I'm kind of expecting is it's potentially more your Caddy and Higgins who may shift from those forward roles into the midfield roles, opening up forward roles for Bolton to come back into. That could be that could be what happens as well. It's and um, and like you say, Ross and Graham are two very interesting names to watch. So yeah. if either if any of these guys are available on waiver lists for draft, go out and grab them because it's worth taking the punt. I will tell you how much the uh, Ross and Graham are owned. Holy shit! Have you done research? I don't have. We had a lot of questions this week, first. man. We had a lot of questions this week. Uh, Jack Ross, 20% owned, Ooh. and Jack Graham, 49% owned. Jack Graham's the one that really interests me the most, considering yeah, he's he got was that, just left out this week. Yeah, and he's got that extra year or so development, mm-hmm. extra two years maybe, on Ross. But hey. yeah, I, I'm quite interested in Graham and what he can do moving no, forward. I, li- I like Graham. So that that is an interesting one. <laughs> and like you say, from adversary uh, comes opportunity. Um, so, oh, and sorry, the other guy. Yep, Noah Bolter. <laughs> wow! No, no, we're not. Wow! No, no, we're not pumping up Noah Bolter on this podcast, <laughs> man. Um, but what we what we should also mention quickly before we move into the uh, round by round uh, games and also talking touching on the new DPP additions mm. is the last player that's going to be missing time is also a draft relevant guy, Jordan Degoe. So obviously, oh, yeah. just not a good situation going <clears throat> on there. Um, we don't want to dive into that. No. But he's what we will say is this week. He's mi- well, he's missing probably more than that. He's not going into the hub, as far as I'm aware. Oh, isn't he? He's no, not he's up? not going into the hub, which means that, again... All right, so he's missing a while then. The borders are closed. <coughs> so he's going to be missing those sort of five to six games, at least, like what uh, Bashar Hawley will be. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing that I read about the um, where Richmond is going, because Lynch is flying up probably as we speak, actually, yeah. after having that um, finger surgery, is it's a two-week um, quarantine. quarantine once they get up there. So if you head up in a week or so, that resets that two weeks for everyone else that you're spending time with. So if you're not going up now, you're pretty much not going up. It does, yeah. So, so yeah, that's a good, good point then. So he's missing. Yeah, I, I would suggest that he won't be playing for a little while. So... It'll be interesting to see what happens, but uh, look, mm. a, a lot of these guys that are staying home in Victoria, they're, they're just unfortunately not going to be able to play for a while. Um, should we dive into yep. touching on some of the uh, the DPP editions, mate? Let's do it. Uh, look, ju- I don't want to really go through name by name, because honestly, there's no one really here who jumps out at me, from, especially from a salary cap point of view. Um, with the possible exception of Steel Sidebottom, who's missing another three weeks anyway. Uh, yes. So... I mean, who, who's jumping out at you from this list? Uh, we've got... Uh, let me just pull it up here. Cause well, we I mean, we talked about Steel a lot last week. Mm-hmm. Steel, um, not particularly highly owned. Well, he's not highly owned. He's like 1.5% owned in salary he was, cap. He was doing very, very well prior mm. to the suspension. But there's a reason now that he's down to No, 1%. I'm talking about Steel, not Steel Sidebottom. Oh, Jack Steel. Sorry, Jack apologies. Steel. Yeah. yeah. Yep, so Jack Steele, uh, I'm still quite bullish on bringing people in, bringing him in um, for future weeks, particularly after what he did this week just gone. So he was one of those low ownership guys we talked about last week, so I think he's someone you could look at as a point of difference in salary cap. Um, You're talking DPPs again? 
Did Jack Steele get DPP? Oh, sorry, one DPPs. Yeah, no, we're on no, to DPPs. I thought we were on to the first game. No, no, what are you doing? <laughs> um, we'll uh, go yeah, to, sorry, yeah. all right, DPPs then. Yeah, no, so the DPPs there... We, we probably need a run sheet. <laughs> one of those times that our Mate, lack of preparation... That requires organisation, and we yeah. don't do that on this podcast. Alrighty. Um, so, yeah, the DPPs that were added, uh, we're talking about guys like, I mean... Uh, you can completely ignore anyone who has forward or defensive status that's getting midfield added. That means absolutely nothing apart from maybe a handy switch here or there. Yeah, just a bit more flexibility. Yeah, so you're looking for some of the mid guys that are getting either forward, defense, or even maybe yeah. ruck status added to them. Yeah, oh, so no, I'm back on the game. Still yeah. side bottom. I'm interested when he comes back. I think when he comes back, he'll be one of the top six at the end of the year. Um, so he'll be on my watch list to see how he returns. Yep. Um, so definitely interested in him. Tom Phillips as a forward, no, still. No, um, no, not interested. No, he's just, he's actually playing a forward role, which is not good for fantasy. If he was playing midfield, that would be a different story. Um, and then further down from there, look, there's still no one that's really catching my eye that's that's got forward or defensive status. You're talking about uh, maybe uh, a Jack Bowes getting defensive status. Um, really useful for drafts. Yes. Draft league owners, that is a huge really, bonus. Really, really useful in draft. Um, salary cap, uh, he's been good without being spectacular. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't be t- looking at him in salary cap, but I mean, we've spoken before about how in flux the backline is at the moment, yeah. so... I wouldn't hold it against you if you looked at him. James Harms got defensive status, but again, is just not performing up to the heights he was last year, so wouldn't bother looking at him. Agreed. Uh, And yeah, honestly, there's absolutely no one on the DPP list that I would genuinely consider for salary cap, and even some of those guys uh, are just really depth players. Um, Yeah, Definitely no one that I'm looking at there. So now... We can move on to the Saints. Alrighty. Well, we've yeah. already covered Jack Steele. Anyone else you want to talk about? Not really. I just want um, to talk about Jack Steele for another five minutes. The guy's a fucking legend. Holy shit. He demolished Patrick Cripps for most of the game. Mm. And then Patrick Cripps only came back when Steele didn't give a shit. <laughs> Steele was like, yeah, I, I, I've proved my point. I'm okay. going to actually go out and win the ball myself now. I got this. So, yeah, he's an absolutely fantastic option if you need a midfield replacement yep. from maybe a Matty Rowell but he's going to cost you. Yeah, you're going to need money to move up. Um, but, yeah, I really like him. Yeah. I uh, want to touch on Nicholas Caulfield first. Like, he is Same. one of my boys from a few years ago. You know how highly I rank this guy, to the point where I ranked him higher than Hunter Clark when he was first drafted mm. for fantasy potential. Uh, look, that hasn't amounted yet, and Hunter Clark has a very bright fantasy future. <laughs> but Caulfield's showing something this year. He has. Uh, so... A month ago, I was really worried about whether Caulfield was actually going to reach his fantasy potential. I was worried whether he was going to get games. Because Yeah, well, that's basically why. Because he wasn't getting games, and when he was getting games, he wasn't really being used much. But his last few weeks has been really, really impressive. 73, 61, 84. He's got Frio next, so you'd expect another good score there. And the thing that I'm liking is watching him play on the weekend, he... The role he's playing is exactly the role he was recruited to play mm-hmm. as that rebounding user from halfback. He's he's almost a slightly less skillful Grant Virtual. You know, he's go- yeah. he's just that guy who's always on the outside, ready for yeah. that plus six in defense and ready to spread it around. So it's it's almost the role that Hunter Clark was supposed to play for us in defense this year, and he just isn't quite doing that. Yeah. 
So, Caulfield, 495k, break-even of zero in AFL Fantasy. Uh, Frio, and then, sorry, Adelaide the week after that. I'm a little bit tempted by that. I need a very cheap mid-price defender. I've currently brought him in. (laughs) As things stand at the moment. Holy shit. I did did my initial trades for the week before we started recording, and he's yep. currently in my team. Just to uh, just to give some of our listeners some background, obviously we we have a keeper league. Yep. Um, I owned Caulfield for one or two years, uh, two or three years actually, um, while he was developing, and then I was forced to make the decision at the end of last year: do I keep Nick Caulfield or do I keep Sydney Stack? Sydney Stack was performing like an absolute legend. Caulfield didn't look like he was getting games with, you know, the likes of um, Robertson coming back. Their heavily numbered backfield. Yeah. Um, so I dropped Caulfield, and now it just hurts. <laughs> it hurts. We've all so had those much. stories. We've all had oh those my ones. God. Oh, Jesus. Um, all right, we'll move on from there. There's a lot of good draft guys for the Saints. Obviously, we don't need to go into the likes of Billings. Um, Kent has been performing quite well as someone that you can pick up off waiver lists. Mm-hmm. Um, to uh, to stream against decent opposition, um, yeah. but I think that's all we really need to touch on. Aside from Max King, who's getting a lot of these middling, you know, between mm-hmm. thirty five to forty five sort of scores. Yes, um, not comfortable starting him on the field yet. No, um, and, and definitely. But if, if you've got another option as an emergency in the forward mm-hmm. line, take the emergency off of um, Max King. Yeah, but definitely happy hanging on to him because he's still going up in, in price. He's break even of four this week. Slowly but steadily making you more money. Um, yeah. Hopefully in about a month to five weeks' time, that's when you're going to want to ditch him. Yep. Um, over to Carlton. Um, look, Jack Martin got the job done with a 90 for draft owners. Very solid. Mm. Uh, Sam Doherty, not quite the VC score we were hoping for. Uh, but still, 80 is very solid. Strong recovery after being well held in the first quarter. Mm. Same with Paddy Cripps as well. So mm. uh, with a fix- 56 this week. It was, yeah. Uh, and Cunningham didn't quite back up from the week before, which we talked about a little bit last week. Not really anyone else I want to touch on specifically. Just quickly, for keeper and draft owners, uh, Sam Walsh is in the depths of the second-year blues at the moment. It's not great. For people who might have drafted him a little bit higher, thinking that he was sort of more on the Tim Toronto uh, yeah. uh, or maybe even Clayton Oliver sort of um, spectrum mm. where he would go Second up year again. Second-year breakout exactly. rather than the, the traditional third. Hasn't happened. Um, yeah, if you got him in draft, cut your losses if you still yeah. have him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, we'll move on to the next game of the round then, shall we? Which was Collingwood versus Essendon in a, a bit of a Friday night thriller because Collingwood just smashed him in the first quarter and then did nothing for the rest of the game while Essendon just rolled over him. It was really interesting to watch. It was a bizarre game. I quite and, enjoyed it, but yeah, bizarre. Look, you know who's having a really good year is Dylan Shield. He's mm. fucking smashing it this year. Um, is Dylan Shield someone that you would consider for salary cap leagues? My initial gut reaction is a no, but that's not based on looking at any numbers. So. 765k, just to yep. give you that. Um, he's averaging, uh, what is that, 89.8. So he's averaging... That's very good. Yep. You know, pre-coronavirus scores, that's averaging close to 110. Um, I think it's more than 110. He's got a break-even of 44. So he's still going up 765k. He's getting a lot of the ball. I know Merritt mm. was out this week, but he was still performing very well prior to that. Mm. He's got scores of 122, 71, 92, 67, and 112. Yep, I'd look at him. Um, interesting. He does have the odd down game, though, those two scores in the 60s. So 
Yeah, probably not quite the consistency I'd like, but I do like the ceiling. Mm. Um, so how much did you say it was? 765 So I think he's within about 10 or 15k of Jack Steele, who I'd we t- talked I'd about take, earlier. I take Steele. Me too, because yeah. I feel like Steele is a little bit more consistent. 774 for Steele, um, and Parker even had a pretty solid game again this weekend, and Parker's the exact same price, 774 I'd probably be more comfortable with Parker, because I feel like his basement is higher. Yeah, Parker and Steele before Shield for me. Agreed. Mm. Yeah, um, and, and all three low ownership, I'd imagine. Yeah, remember that. Parker and Steele before Shield. Um, so <laughs> Thanks. Oh, I made myself laugh. Um, okay, well, at least so. you made someone laugh. <laughs> um, another one, Jordan. Oh, Jordan. Uh, Ridley. I think it is Jordan Ridley. Jordan, Jordan Ridley? Pretty sure it's Jordan. See, this is how much I paid attention to Ridley prior to this past two or three week really breakout period for him. He's been good. He's smashed He's it. actually been good all year. He's had 80, 61, 67, 76, 79. Really solid for a defender. Really solid. 5, 69k, break even of 14. I, look, How much did we say Caulfield was? He's under 500, 494 or something like that. 495, yeah. Yeah, so I'd, I'd be going with Caulfield over Ridley. Yeah, because I don't think Ridley will be an end-of-year <coughs> top six defender. I just no. don't think that that will happen. I don't think it's sustainable to that extent. And obviously neither will Caulfield, but Caulfield's cheaper now and will yep. make more cash. Yeah, exactly, 100%. Yep. Um, but, yeah, really, like, I, I think this was actually the first game where I really actually paid attention to Ridley because mm. uh, I don't tend to catch a lot of Essendon games. But I really liked what I saw. If you got him in drafts... Um, Kudos, well yeah. done. Draft owners just would be kicking themselves right now as well because Darcy Parrish, with merit out, was once again played mostly in the forward line, which just is frustrating and confusing considering how good he is in the midfield. I say yeah. that as a just languishing Darcy Parrish owner <laughs> over here. Yeah, it was interesting because um, Devin Smith seemed to be pretty much spending all of his time in the forward line as well. Yeah, they, they've got well, they've just got a ton of that small forwards. Um, mm. uh, good rotation going through there as well because McDonald, Tip and Woody, Smith, um, uh, Langford, um, Parrish, they all spend time rotating mm. through the middle mm. um, on top of, you know, the main guys of Shield, uh, McGrath. McGrath, Merritt when he's back, you know, there's... there's he's getting just, Heppel as well. Exactly. How far off is Heppel? He's a fair uh, way he's off. He's a fair way off, yeah. yeah. I think he's close to five or six weeks. Yeah. Um, we'll go over to Collingwood. Um, Brody Grundy does what Brody Grundy does. Absolute yep. champion. Trelaw came back with a fantastic score. And you notice that Taylor Adams' 77 was still solid, but mm. very well down on what he had been performing before. Yep, yep. Um, again, correlation, causation, who knows, but it it's just always seems to happen. It's, it's definitely a pattern. pattern. I am rapidly falling in love and... Building a little um, man crush on J- Dacos. Uh, yeah, I know what you're doing. Uh, Dacos is an absolute champion. I just love champ. watching him play. He's, He's really good. Really good and, and tough as well. Great fantasy player as well. He gets into the right <clears throat> spots that you mm. want one of your fantasy players to be in. Um, and you know the other thing that's ticking me off is the fact that uh, Nick Dacos, his younger brother, is looking like being a top three drafted player this year. Did and Colin would yes. are going to just... Get away with murder there and just get him as cheap as chips. Father-son, yeah. Uh, look, it, it, I love the father-son rule, I mm. do, but every footy fan out there is guilty of liking the father-son rule when it's good for their team yeah. and when one of the other teams, like a Sydney getting like a... Um, uh, like a um, oh, who am I thinking of? Um, I don't know. You're thinking of the Academy. Uh, oh, that's Rather what I'm than father-son. Yeah, and um, Heaney and Mills. Yeah, Heaney, Mills, Hopper as well, that sort of thing, but... 
there, there's just a lot of good players that go father son that you wish could get to your team if they had the higher draft picks. Um, but is what it is. It, it pays off in the end. Um, Jaden Stevenson, I just love watching Jaden Stevenson play because he would get coaches up and about for the first quarter. I love watching his first quarters, and then he's like, he just goes, all right, my work's done, I'm hitting the showers. Yeah, exactly. I'll see you guys in an hour and a half. Um, and I listened to you about Braden Maynard as well. And are you happy you did? I am. I was very happy. It kind of sucked in the last quarter because I think... It didn't really touch it, it last quarter. It was on about 72 points at three-quarter time. Yeah. He, got a, he got two hand passes and then went down with what looked like a corky. Got that the most epic hip pointer corky <laughs> of all time, from the looks of it. Well, hopefully he's back on the field this week. I would be right. so. It's hit pointer, um, hit pointer in the last quarter. It would have been really hard for him to get back on the field, but he'll be good for next week. Tough bastard. Uh, Matty Scharenberg, solid return with a 50. Nothing spectacular, but good for keeper owners who might have been hanging on to him or picked yep. him up off the waiver list. Yep. Are you still holding fat with Jack Crisp? I'm still holding fat with Jack Crisp. I think he's going to come due. Um, but Maynard is ahead of him, as you can tell by the fact that I traded him in this week Alrighty. over Crisp. Um, I did deliberate about that for some time, though. Um, okay, next game of the round uh, was the first game on Saturday. Oh, before we move on, uh, right. Tyler Brown, only 19 touches. Oh, yeah, good call. Nine touches, no marks, no tackles. I think his spot's potentially in danger. Well, aside But from, I don't know who would be coming in necessarily. Yeah, I, I honestly think that <clears throat> he, he might be missing out this week, considering Collingwood lost. I think that there's a good chance Mason Cox might be dropped for Darcy Cameron. Yep. But they probably will drop maybe a midfield sort of player, considering the lack of drive in yeah. the last three quarters. See, the thing is that side bums out, Dugowie's not travelling up yeah, there. Yeah, that's true. So that's Wilt already... is already in the team. Yeah. I don't know, really know who... There's no one off the top of my head. <clears throat> That would come in. Completely. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. I, I just wanted to let you go, but um, yeah, I, I don't really... know off the top of my head who would come in for him, but he's got to be skating on thin ice at the moment, I think. And it's also really hard to sort of gauge who might be coming in without the seconds playing, so we, we can't really sort of think who would be but coming in without I think those from games. a cash cow perspective, he's got to be getting close to getting cold, I think. Yeah. Um, okay, so West Coast Sydney, first win for West Coast in a long time, which, thank fuck... Um, but some interesting scores there. Dom Sheed dominated once Luke Shuey went out, and that's always been a big thing for Dom. If he's played in the centre, mm. he just absolutely racks it up. Yeah, so I haven't checked yet. How bad was Shuey's hammy? I think it, it, it's looking like similar to Nat Fife, so we're, look, we're talking One to two, two, maybe well, three. Two, two to three weeks. I think mm. if Nat Fife comes back... <clears throat> Next week, it's we're, too we're, early. It's it's too early, and he's going to re-injure it. I think that's a bit silly. But Nat Fife probably comes back for the derby, mm. um, and Shuey probably is the week after the derby. <clears throat> um, so Sheed will probably be good for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, not looking at him in salary cap because I think you're just asking for trouble if you bring him in. Yeah, there. Yeah, uh, Andrew Gaff. Really down game from him with a 66. But Sydney is historically his worst team to play against. He does not do well. And they they bought Ryan Clark in for the entire purpose of sitting on Gaff the entire game. Honestly, I think that teams would... Other teams would generally focus on Elliot Yo and Luke Shuey Hmm. above Gaff, considering... like We spoke about last week, the fact that Gaff... It doesn't matter how many touches he gets, he doesn't contribute as much to the scores as a Yo or a Shuey or a Tim Kelly would. Yeah, that's the other guy that I was about to say. Yeah. Um, having said that, 
coming up against Adelaide and Freo for the next two, mm-hmm. I'm expecting a big bounce back from yeah. Gaff this week. Well, Gaff, what's Gaff now? So, 8.57, so he has gone down a little bit, and his break-even is listed at uh, 73. Very, very gettable. So, if you still mm. want to bring him in this week as one of those top-line midfielders... All for him. Built up a bit of a war chest over the last few weeks. Yeah, I, I don't mind that. Well, this is probably the cheapest he's going to be for a little bit. 857k, so <laughs> still super expensive. Hmm. Um, who else have we got there? Look, a lot of draft guys in, on the West Coast side. Um, Nat Nui did very well. Um, they it didn't look like the Sydney had a ruckman most of the time, and well, let Nat Nui sure just, they didn't. Well, um, Aliyah Aliyah just kind of left Nat Nui to tap the ball at centre bounces. It was it was an odd tactic. Um, and Liam Duggan has done reasonably well for draft owners who may have picked him up off waiver lists recently. So watch this space there because he could be someone that's getting a lot of points that Shannon Hearn is giving up given his uh, aging legs, I would say. Yes. <laughs> but Liam Duggan has <clears throat> the ability to rack up the ball. Um, Sydney? Sydney. Jake Lloyd. Yeah. West Coast is his historically best team to perform against. Um, he dominates against them. 95 from him. He's bottomed out in price. Yeah. Way, way yep. out. So. I was a bit concerned last week, but um, you called it quite rightly. He Now's the time to jump on if you want him. Very, very good option to bring in this week. I mean, I know we're throwing out a lot of good options, but you've got to have a few of them. And Jake Lloyd's one of those guys that he's close to 30% owned. A lot of the competition where he has him, if you don't, you're going to be left behind. Yes. You need to get him in sooner rather than later. Um, JPK, Luke Parker, all these guys have been very solid throughout the year, and our boy Oli Florent as well is is still doing good things, still tracking along. Mm-hmm. Um, who else is there? Honestly, not too much from a, a Swan side of things. Uh, have we completely ridden off Dawson at this point? Yeah, that's the thing. So, do you still own Jordan Dawson? He's the guy who I'm moving on for Caulfield. Yeah, that's it. So I'm making about thirty k there. Not yeah. a huge amount, but I feel so much more comfortable. Having done that trade, well, what what is uh, Dawson's break even? I'm not 100 percent sure. I, I honestly don't think he's going to be making you much more cash, and there's a very good chance that he might actually be losing you cash at the moment. Oh, he's bleeding cash at the moment. So what's what's his break even? His break even is 49, and he's actually lost fifty thousand dollars since the start of the season when we expected him to be going way up in price, only averaging 58.4. Get him out. Yeah, he's actually only owned by 2.5% of teams. I think so. a lot of teams have gotten him out in the last few yeah, weeks. Yeah, I just haven't been able to. I, I gave him one extra week because I was like, surely, West Coast, they they're, suck at the moment. They've been terrible. And West he Coast did not reward me. decided to bring out some vintage Coast. Um, McInerney is a <clears throat> chance to maybe be dropped. I know there was a lot of really poor performing players for Sydney. Guys like uh, O'Riordan... Um, uh, maybe a, a Cunningham, Sam Gray, uh, Ronke, those sorts of guys who might be dropped. But McInerney's just got that feel of the youngest of the lot, the newest of the lot, um, that he might be dropped before some of those guys get uh, get left out. Um, so I am worried about that. And I think there's going to be a lot of rookie chaos heading into this week. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think... I mean, he's already been in and out of the team... Mm-hmm. This year, so I think he's definitely in danger. Yeah. Uh, move on to the next game of the round, which was Geelong Gold Coast. <coughs> look, Geelong always this, looked this, like they had it in hand. This I thought was quite a good game up until that final quarter. Yeah, I I feel like Geelong always had the upper hand, but I, I was, always felt Geelong was going to yeah. win. But 
Gold Coast did a really good they job. They tried their heart out, yeah. and that's what I'm loving this year. They're not giving up like they have in previous years. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the Geelong ledger, Mitch Duncan is having a very solid, really good year, and smashing he is, it. He's someone I just want to check the stats out for quickly because he would have a very low ownership and could be a point of difference for you heading into certain rounds. So he's averaging 89.4, which is the same as. Basically, Shield, who we pumped up a little bit earlier. Yep. He's 0.74% there you owned. Go. Break even of 39. Nobody's talking about him. 39 break even. So, again, he's he's sort of as cheap as you're going to get him for a while. Low score for the year is 73. And every other score has been above 89. So, he's definitely better than Shield in that respect. Because he, don't, he hasn't had those scores in the 60s like Shield has. Yep. Doesn't have quite the same ceiling as him. No, With he the doesn't. 120s, but he just looks good every week. He looks like a solid fantasy player who's constantly racking up the ball. I'd, I'd rank him over Shield. I'd take him ahead of Shield. Way. Brisbane and Collingwood up next. So tough games. He's what did we say? Was seven ninety? So he's a bit more expensive than those other guys who were talking about before. Still ranking Steel, Steel first, Parker second, <laughs> then Duncan, then Shield for me. Yeah. I... Probably, yeah, I'm agreeing with, with that. With the possibility that Duncan could slip in front of Parker. Yeah, I think that's a real chance. Mm. But at the moment, I like Parker's ceiling. Yeah. Um, Menegol has had a couple of good weeks as well. If he's somehow unowned in draft leagues, go out and grab him. Mm. He's really, really smashing it. Um, I doubt he wouldn't be owned, though. He would. I'm sure he's owned. Um, Zach Tui as well, also being quite solid since the, uh, the injury to Tom Stewart. Mm-hmm. Um, has been a very interesting one for, for draft owners. Paddy Dangerfield, again, another poor game. He's honestly someone that I think everybody just has to offload if you own him. I mean, good friend of the podcast, Brody, made an argument recently for uh, for keeping uh, both the Bonds <clears throat> and Dangerfield and even targeting them with a low price, yeah. um, which completely understand that trying to buy as low as you possibly can on some of these fallen premiums in the mm-hmm. hope that they, they amp up. But Dangerfield just hasn't showed anything to me this year, really. Is he someone that needs the crowd? Does he need Maybe. the big occasion and the crowd to feed off? Maybe. I mean, there is the whole drama field joke, which I don't think is very fair sometimes, although occasionally uh, I, the flops and the... Um, I tend to buy into it a little yeah, bit. And the, the milk kick for freeze is quite obvious. Um, but... Yeah, I, I think you could be right. I think that there could be an element of the crowds not being there, that drama not being there for him to eat up. Um, but yeah, he, he just isn't performing well this year. No, unfortunately not. Uh, Joel Selwood bounced back for you, which is good to see because he <laughs> let you down after bringing him in the other week. Yes, he has. Um, one of no, one of a number of guys I've brought in who hasn't quite performed <laughs> as I had hoped. Uh, we'll jump over to Gold Coast. Um uh, but just before we do, right, quickly, right. we did speak about um, Parfit last week. We did. I 79. Mean, cl- that's close to 100 in um, pre-corona. So, I, yeah, I, I'm... Big tick. Big yeah, tick big for tick anyone fan. who bought him in this week. Yep. Love the move. Um, Hugh Greenwood, why Why do you want to <clears throat> hurt me? What, guess who just, I traded out last week. Guess who I traded out last week? Hugh fucking Greenwood, because Hugh Greenwood has been average, hasn't really gotten the disposals... And this week decides to go, oh, you know what? I'll get tackles and disposals. He was everywhere this He day. was a beast. And you know why? Raul. Raul. As soon as Raul was out of the middle, yeah. he got centre bounce attendances and he wasn't playing up forward as that defensive tackling, marking forward. Yeah. As long as Raul is injured, <coughs> look, I don't want to do it. 
But there is a solid chance that... Or I, uh, I'm not reversing it and bringing him back I can't, here. I, don't, I couldn't do it. But if you hadn't owned Gr- Greenwood, I mean, you could quite easily bring him in. He's bottomed out in price. Oh, he's yeah. going to go up now with that 109 score in the bank. And he's got a role in the middle by the looks yeah. of it. Could he be a top six contender? Oh, he could... If the role is there, yes, he can. We know the scores that he can produce. It's just if he gets that midfield centre bounce attenders. You'd expect maybe the likes of Fiorini or maybe a um, Fiorini uh, probably comes back in. Flanders come, comes in for Raul, um, and there's a chance someone like Powell as well. Um, I reckon it's Fiorini. I think it's a, like a like for like swap. Yeah, that's true. Um, in, and, in like strong bullish inside mid. Yeah. It'll uh, be Fiorini. Yeah, I, I think that that's a- unless likely. they do want to play Greenwood there, and they want to bring in a Flanders or someone who can play off a half forward play flank, forward. which yeah. they may do because they have been wanting to give Flanders a go for a few weeks now. Mm. And I'm losing my voice again, mate. What, what is <coughs> wrong with you today? I don't know. <laughs> you literally just completely lost your voice at several dances <laughs> in this podcast. Um, all right, so Greenwood was fantastic. A host of other guys were good for draft owners as well. Brandon Ellis, David Swallow. Noah Anderson is making money at the moment. So he's someone that you've got to hold on to for as long as you can. Um, look, I, I, the one I want to quickly talk about is Connor Buderick. 21, obviously not good enough. He's still got a mm. low break even. He's going to still make money. But my look... I hope he's done enough in the past month to really say to the coach, give me another chance. I think this is his second average week, though. The mm. week before, I think from memory, he wasn't spectacular yes. and didn't really get. I didn't really notice him a lot. No, so this is another one. I am a bit concerned they may give him a spell for a week or two just to let him rest up a bit. Mm. I'm, I'm worried. The rookie carnage is going to be horrible. I'm not yeah. looking forward to Thursday afternoon when the teams are announced. Yeah. Um, all right, Bullies and North Melbourne. We said it last week, or I, I spoke about it last week. I wasn't believing Tim English's breakout few games until I saw him against quality opposition. It's Todd, Timmy time. Todd Goldstein is quality opposition, and he outscored him. Yep. 99 points. That's I mean, he got <clears throat> beaten in the hitouts, 31 to 15, but his work around the ground was really good. 22 touches, 8 marks, 2 tackles. He's one of the leading intercept markers in the competition at the moment, Tim English. And he's just... It it almost reminds me of that, like, Justin Westoff role when Justin Westoff was rucking and he was just getting into mm. the fence. He was going up forward when he needed to be. He just had the aerobic capability to move into the spaces the ball was. Yeah. And it's fantastic to see for draft <clears throat> owners... I'm still I I'm I don't I wouldn't go him in salary cap because you need to get towards Gorn and Grundy. I, I agree. We I have agree. to get Gorn and Grundy. But uh, I mean if you're if you don't at the end of the year or towards the end of the year have both of those players in your team, you're A not winning your <clears> leagues <throat> and B not coming anywhere near finishing top of the uh the rankings. Yeah, I agree. So, but for the time being, say it with me. It's Timmy time. It's Timmy time. <laughs> Alright, you got me around to it. Uh, McRae had another one of those games where he was average at best for most of it and <clears throat> yeah, ended up scraping yeah, together a good real score. recurring theme for a lot of players on a lot of teams this yeah, week. There really is. No, it's, it's very strange. Uh, Vandermeer pumped out a huge score. Mm. I don't know where the hell this came from. He's been quietly quite solid um, without being spectacular. So, I mean, 47, 37, 42, and a 76. It is a big jump, but he hasn't been t- terrible no. for that stretch. No. Question, how much money is he worth? 
297,000, break even of negative 25. Oh, he's one I could bring in this week. I would definitely look at him. Definitely on the uh, the watch list yeah, for this week. Very, I think. very interesting. And one. his next two games, Carlton and Essendon. Mm, very interesting. Mm. Mm. Um, <clears throat> all right, so, uh, and the other one, we spoke about him just before the Bont. Um, he had that great game last week when he wasn't tagged, when no one was looking after him, and uh, McDonald went to him this week and just toweled him up. Uh, look, again, he's uh, a lot of people say that you know anyone who gets tagged is vulnerable to the tag. That's not necessarily true, I don't think. Um, there are some players who are much more vulnerable to it, and the Bont is absolutely one of those. And he will yes. be tagged in almost <clears throat> every game where there is a sane coach who doesn't tag McRae for some reason uh, longer. Um, so, uh, yeah, again, if you do somehow happen to own Bontepelli in salary cap, trade him out. Needs to be gone. Um, and in draft leagues, unfortunately, if if you own him, he's you're not going to get what he you're should. You're not getting really anything get. for him, you're really. You're barely no, getting anything. You're getting something. You'll get something from name value because mm-hmm. someone will trade him on the hope that he turns it around. Yep. I don't know whether... What you'll get offered, though, is going to be enough to make you do it. Mm. Um, if you don't own him, though, you, in a draft league, you could go out and try and tempt a coach who's really pissed off. You could be, because you you know what um, Beveridge is going to do at some point if mm-hmm. this continues, is swing him up forward and play him out of the forward line, yep. and then next round of DPPs, he's a chance. Agree. Um, Toddy Goldstein on the North Melbourne side of the ledger, doing very well all year. We know what he's doing. Yep. Um, now that... Matty Rowell is unfortunately out of the picture. Mm. Curtis Taylor might be the number one rookie going around. He is still mm. pumping out solid scores almost every week. Um, a 74 here, which is just below 100 in the old. And, uh, yeah, he's he's making tons of cash. And, yeah, looking really, really good as well. Um, where is he? I'm just trying to find... No, Neg- I don't have it who his next games are. but Neg- Negative break-even. Um, look, I, I'm all over Curtis Taylor. He's... One of the rookies that I'm comfortable playing on my field. Agreed. I, but I think almost everyone in the competition owns him, so we don't need to talk about him that much. Um, look, I, we, we say it every single week, North Melbourne still are a bit of a draft side. They've got some sneaky guys that could be salary cap uh, potential. Uh, Jai Simkin was a little bit down this week, but mm. look, I, I think we can expect that. Well, he uh, got, what, 60? Pre-COVID, that's about a 75. Yeah. So you'll take that as a forward. Yeah, it's, it's not spectacular. It's exactly. probably the very bottom of what you you'll accept, yeah. but it's and something. There were there were a few forwards who got those sort of scores, like Wingard. We'll talk about him a bit later as yeah. well. Um, around about the sixties. Um, so unless there's anyone you want to talk about, like your love child Jamie McMillan, um, I think we'll move. No, on No, I've the moved next him game. on from every league that I can. Yeah, it, as you should, because it's Jamie bloody McMillan. Um, okay, Brisbane, Port Adelaide. Brisbane just shoved the uh, the. Ladder leaders aside, this was just an absolute mauling. Um, mm. And the big names got it done again. Lions, Neil, McCluggage, all over 90. Big scores for those guys. Um, 77 for Berry as well. He was very strong. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what more can I say? It's just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I, I don't have anything else to add to that. No. They're all yeah. Those top three prime movers are just going to put together amazing games each and every week. Yeah. Um, and Barry will jump in there quite regularly as well. Could you legitimately see a midfield in salary cap leagues with all three of those guys? Uh, Lions, Neil, and McCluggage? Yes. Uh, 
See, I always have this concern that Lyons is going to disappear. Because he's the man of mystery? No pun intended, but yes. <laughs> uh, I just, I don't feel comfortable having him in salary caps. All right. Well, but... Let, let me just take you through some numbers here. So, yeah. well, the obvious one is Lockie Neal. Everybody has to yeah, own yeah, him. Absolutely. He's just an absolute beast at the moment. Um, the next one you just talked about is Jared Lyons. So Jared Lyons is averaging 90.6, higher than some of the guys we've been pumping up earlier. Mm. He's priced at 771k, which is less than Jack Steele and less than Luke Parker. Um, he's just come off 106, break even of 36, uh, and he's got coming up uh, some tough games in Geelong and GWS. But games which you wouldn't expect anyone to get tagged either. No, you wouldn't. And not Lockie Neal or McCluggage is getting the tag before Lions. Oh, Lions is never going to get tagged in his life. I am very interested in Jared Lyons. <laughs> I can see your, the cogs moving in the studio as we speak. Yeah. Shall we add him to our list of other unique options? All right. So what did we have? We, you should probably write this down at some stage. Yeah, right. uh, I'll write it down now. Yeah. So, so we had Steel. Then we had Parker. Yeah. And then we had Duncan. Yep. And then we had Shield. So where are we fitting in Jared Lyons? I'm fitting him in just below Steele and Parker. So, yeah. No, just below Steele, sorry. So in In between Steele and Parker. Almost even even with Steele at the moment. I, I'm a big Jack Steele fan, but Jared Lyons. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm on board with that. Yeah. And here's another interesting one. I mean, obviously we spoke about him a second ago, McCluggage. Uh, McCluggage is averaging 82.4, so slightly lower, but still over 100 in the old. Um, had a 90 last week, break even of 16, and he's priced at 711k. So he is a cheaper stepping stone. He is. But for me... My concern with McCluggage is because he plays more of that wing outside role, he's probably a bit easier to... Well, it's there's a greater chance of him f- sliding out of games. Yeah, the la- he's last on our list for me. He, I would rank Shield above him um, in terms yeah. of prospects to bring in this week. So I think we, I could safely go Steele, Lions, Parker, Duncan, Shield, and then McCluggage below that lot. But he's the one that you can get to if you're trying to scrape to get the cash, and you just can't get that extra fifty k or so to get up to the likes of a Lions or a Parker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm on board with that. All right. So, uh, I think, honestly, that probably covers us for a lot of the uh, the Lions. Um, Brandon Stasevich was down, and again, I'm worried about the rookie carnage. We'll see what happens, but he has been very good in the back line. For he them. has. I, I hope he's got enough runs on the board, because yeah. this is his first week where he's really been a bit down. Um, Port Adelaide, just a really down game from them. Not much to touch on, really. Brad Ebert, one of the guys that was looking like being a number one forward, probably... Or, you know, top three, four at least. Probably still is. They're going to have down the, games. This, but this was the, always the danger because Port have had quite a good run so far. Very easy run against teams who are either very down on their on in form or just bottom of the ladder sort of teams. Like Gold Coast in round one when they yeah. hadn't gone on this run up at home. West Coast, obviously, um, who were in poor form. Adelaide, who's just bottom of the ladder and woeful at the moment. Yeah. Um, did they take on Fremantle as well, Port Adelaide? They sure did. There you go. And Fremantle also, bottom of the ladder. So they've taken yep. on four of the lowest possible teams to take yep. on. 
Um, GWS and Carlton up next. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they try to rebound against GWS. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, it'll be tough. This this is the um, this is the barometer for Brad Ebert. If Brad Ebert suffers against GWS or struggles against them, I should say, hmm. I think you've got to trade him out in salary cap leagues because they just don't have as many easy games on the back end. They're going to come up against hard. Well, you're teams. only playing each team once, so you've exactly. got all your easy ones out of the way early. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think we can probably move on to the next game of the round. I uh, love that Houston decided this is the week to pump out another yeah, good score. Well, yeah, this is great. I mean, he can keep going, and if he keeps going like this, he can sneak into that oh, sort of sixth spot. Seriously, how many teams do you think he's still in at this point? Houston? Yeah. Houston's in a ton of teams, mate. I swear that uh, Houston is in... Let's have a look see. Houston is in... Oh, jeez, I've got to bring it up. Oh, absolutely. Question without notice, mate. Uh Dan Houston is in... Uh, 42% of teams 42% still. of salary cap leagues. So go figure. Houston's the one I move on, and Green... No, Houston, is I move the... on. Greenwood, I move on, and they both turn oh, good Jesus afterwards. Jesus, Matt. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Within the space of a fortnight. Yep, you're, uh, you're having a rough patch there, buddy. Um, okay, we'll move on to the next game, which was uh, Adelaide Frio, the worst possible spectacle of AFL football to come out of this country and be exported to the US since ever. I mean, honestly, uh, it was in, on primetime in the US and anyone watching it would have just got a horrible depiction of our sport because the, the turnovers in this were just amazing to watch sometimes. Yeah, when you have two teams of this quality playing... I feel like I felt like I needed one of those bouncer clickers that they have outside of nightclubs just to keep track of some of the like the ongoing clicker. clangers. The clanger clicker. The clanger clicker. Um, and look, you might have worn it out. Uh, Fremantle got up fifty-four to thirty-four. Low-scoring affair. Andy Brayshaw. Uh, I mean, who who knew? Who knew if you played him in the middle and gave him more than sixty percent time on ground that he could be a very good player? I can feel myself getting angrier and just more down the more this podcast goes. The last fortnight, mate, I've moved on Brayshaw, I've moved on Houston, I've moved on Greenwood, and I've kept Dawson. (laughs) Jesus! Um, Every freaking fifty-fifty call is wrong. Oh my god! Um, Look, Andy Brayshaw. And I bring obviously, in Parker over steel. Obviously. <laughs> what am I doing? What am I doing, Christian? Oh, my God. Why am I even on this podcast? <laughs> I wish people could see just the anguish in your face right now. All right, I'm back. Um, I'm back. Brayshaw. So yeah, yeah, really good. And again, he definitely benefited off Nat Fife not being there. He got a ton of midfield minutes, a ton of centre bounces. But the big thing for me was the time on ground. It went right up to close to like just above yeah. 80%. Um, it will be interesting to see when Fife is back whether he can keep this up. Um, I am hoping that they'll go. You know what? He actually can do stuff when he's given time on the ground. Yeah. So who knew? Who knew? Oh, oh, just every single fantasy coach out there. Um, look, so Andy Brayshaw. It's just a, if you've still got him, great hold. That's right. Well done, lucky. Um, if you don't, eh. if you've already moved him on, um, don't. If, if you're in that unfortunate position like some unnamed coaches who have moved on both Brayshaw and Greenwood from their forward line Greenwood is the one to prioritise bringing back in if you want to bring someone back in <laughs> absolutely um, Chera solid game from him for for keeper coaches out there he's starting to look like a very good fantasy prospect I have an ongoing bet with one of the guys in our league where I believe I have to feed him cherries uh, by hand uh, a bowl of cherries if Adam Chera ever averages over 100 in a season 
Um, I'd forgotten about that. So I'm very, very glad that... um, uh, It's starting to show some signs? No, I'm very glad that it's a COVID year right now, so there's no way he can average over 100, because not many people are doing that this year. Oh, I I reckon that you, you would... If he's averaging 80, that's 100. No, bullshit. He's not. If he's averaging 80, I said, word of the law, it's 100. And Nick, mm. you can count that as legal because... Uh, I think that you are... Letter of the contract, I'm not feeding you cherries until he uh, he averages over 100. That's a cop-out, mate. <laughs> Absolute cop-out. Uh, Darcy Tucker, we spoke about him last week as... Look, someone who was just averaging incredibly well as a forward... Another 86 this week. Mm. Um, it is propped up by two goals. It is. But he has been solid all year as that forward option. He has. Um, you're looking up some stats on yeah, him? Yeah, I am. 616k, so he's very, very cheap. Averaging 75.6, so just under the 100 in the old. Yeah. Um, he's only owned by 1% of the comp. Yeah. Um, he is... Mm. Big. So we've got a question later on about who the top six forwards are going to be. He is... Do we? Shit. <laughs> it's, it's all right. I actually question. did some prep for that one. Oh, good man. Uh, he's in my shortlist for the last spot. Interesting. I don't think he's going to make the last spot, but I think he'll be thereabouts yep. as things stand at the moment. No, I like that call. That's a good call. All right. Um, on the Adelaide side of the ledger, um, oh, actually, just before we go on there, Sarong and Sturt. Uh, Sarong, I'm not quite up to the, the level of last week, but still... Obviously, you know, you, you keep him if you've got him, and he's still a potential target because of how low uh, in price he is and his low break even. Sturt, for anyone that held on to him, is still making cash on your forward line benches. And Young, another solid showing from Young with a 58. Comfortably play him on your field. Absolutely. Um, all right, Adelaide, the Crouch Brothers. I mean, I, yeah. it was a weird game to watch because if you're a fantasy coach, you were loving this game. It was very fantasy friendly. Uh but from a, You're pure, a football lover. Oh, God. You were just, you know, stabbing yourself in the eyes. It was horrible. Uh, Rory Laird, 87. Great job from him. Uh, Brody Smith kicked it up a notch as well with a 75. Look, uh, the, the only one I really want to talk about for any length of time is Rory Sloan. Just to say how horrible he has been this year. Uh, and that's it. Yeah, that's okay. That's cool. Yeah. I don't think we can really take too much from this game because it was too really average teams playing each other in a really average game. I can take from this season that Sloan is just an awful fantasy football player at the moment. At the moment. Yeah. Uh, hopefully he turns that around. All right. Melbourne, Richmond. Uh, Richmond got the uh, chocolates in this game and Kane Lambert really brought it home. Um, he's another interesting one. He is, actually. If you're a draft uh, coach out there hmm. and someone else, uh, maybe a, a bit of an uneducated uh, footy-wise coach out there owns Kane Lambert, go out there and see if you can get sort of market value for what he would have been worth prior to all of these Richmond injuries. Um, yeah, you're going to have to do it very, very quickly. Yes, like you next are. day or so. But there's a lot of draft coaches out there who don't pay attention in, to in-depth footy news and might not make the connection between a lot of these players going out and Kane Lambert getting a lot of mm. midfield time. So... Uh, what did he do? He 27 touches, 3 goals, 6 marks, 1 tackle. When he's played in the right role, he can score very well. Yeah, I'm just looking. So, Caddy's the guy I mentioned before that I think will probably take some midfield Had minutes. 87 this round. Really. Yeah, I'm just thinking, Caddy or Lambert? Probably Lambert, actually. I'd, say, I'd take Lambert before I took Caddy. I would as well, yeah. 
I, I really like Lambert. Um, Cat, although Caddy, very good option as well. Honestly, a lot of those ri- Richmond second tier guys just yeah. take a punt on one of them because yeah. every other week while they're in the hub, probably one of them is going to go big. Yep. Um, and there's just not much of a way of knowing which one until we see it happen. Yeah. Uh, Dusty down this week again. So he had a average comeback last week, only a 67 this week. He's losing cash. I still think he's going to be a top six forward. I think, obviously, everyone would. But if you don't own him, now's not the time to bring him in yet. Yep. Um, any other Richmond players? We talked about them a lot at the start of the podcast. We did, yeah. I just want to, again, say Noah Bolter. If you... and No, no. Wait ba- wait for it. No, the listeners can't see me shaking my head, but I'm <laughs> shaking my head. Two ruck ultimate footy leagues. He's a ruck forward. Mm. 25% owned. Pass, and we move on to Melbourne. Um, he, did, did you see how good he looked at halfback? <laughs> look, yeah, he did look pretty good. He read it really well. A lot of intercept marks. It's Noah Bolter, mate. Um, what right. have you got against Noah? I don't know. I think I bought him in late last year. and um, he What, just, in salary? Yeah, and he, when he was... After a few games where he was starting to pump out some scores and uh, make some cash, bought mm. him in, and then he started averaging like 15s and shit. So, so... You acknowledge the fact that he does have past history of pumping out scores. I also acknowledge his history of burning me. Um, so, we'll move on to Melbourne. And uh, Maxi Gorn, like we said, we, you need to get him in at some point. You just need to. Um, he's Him and Grundy are just two... They're, they're the top two scorers, realistically, in AFL Fantasy. And you need to have them in your side to work towards that. Um and then some of the other guys, interesting scores from them. Christian Petrarca had like 14 disposals in the first quarter and only ended up on 69 because I think he had something like 20 handballs and 6 kicks or something stupid for the game. Uh, 20 and 7. Yeah. Oh, there you go, 20 and 7. So it could have been a massive score, ended up being an average score, um, and he didn't take a crazy amount of marks. And Three. There you go. And one tackle. Yeah, so needed to do the extras there to make the uh, score a bit better. But he's been that good all season. You know, it's hard to be down on a 27 disposal game. It'll come. Um, Clayton Oliver had one of the worst 76-point games I've ever seen in my life. I mean, the the amount of clangers coming off of his boot were ridiculous. Um, And uh, Jack Viney is a highly owned player who, again, is starting to middle out. We mentioned that this was likely to happen after that round one huge score um, of like 140 or whatever the hell it was. Look, when he's made his cash, when his break-even reaches around about 60, I think you need to get rid of Jack Viney. Uh, his break-even is exactly 60. There you go. I think this is the week. 11% to, owned. Yeah, this is the week to get rid of him then. I think, honestly, he's not going to be making you too much more cash. If the he's only, got Gold Coast net. Yeah. The, the only thing stopping me from saying definitely get rid of him this week is just... Bailey Smith, um, Matty Rowell, there's going to be a lot You're of other issues. You're probably going to have other issues this yeah. week. I I would hang on to him this week against Gold Coast and then potentially the following week against Hawthorne, yeah. although he does average really well against them. And the other issue going into next week, we've mentioned all the rookie carnage so far. Trent Rivers was not as consistent as he has been and there is a real risk with a Melbourne loss that they might drop rivers so there's a lot of yeah they do love to ring the changes there is a lot of potential drops happening um, across the competition um, alright last game of the round Greater Western Sydney versus Hawthorne GWS just all day every day they it was a weird game because the, I mean if you listen to the commentary obviously they uh, they had like 25 450 entries for 18 goals or something like that which is a record that's crazy um, and the fantasy scores were just amazing Josh Kelly Haynes 
your boy Haynes, um, Perryman and Whitfield all scored over 100. Uh, incredible scores. Then we had 90 and 91 from uh, Cornelio and Heath Shaw, respectively. I am glad Cogs bounced back. I'm glad that you talked me into hanging on to him yeah, I... um, and giving him the faith of another week. Mm-hmm. Because uh, he, like you said last week, he acknowledged that he didn't play great. Yeah, I'm, and... I'm a little bit worried still about Cogs because uh, Ward will be coming back into the side and can only play as a midfielder. And Tim Taranto is only two to three weeks away now, apparently. So, yeah. You, you'd th- is I that think... two to three weeks away from playing or two to three weeks away from... From playing, I believe. Okay. As far as I'm aware... So, sorry, playing any game at all or coming into the seniors? Because they'd have to give him a couple of that's, runs that's and scratches first. That, that is a good point. You'd probably give him some scratches. Although, then again, with a shoulder injury, you generally don't need as much time because you've been able to tick the uh, the legs over and keep that aerobic uh, ability. You'll need, mm, the pr- you'll need the match practice. You'll need the so touch. He'll, he'll probably get one match in the uh, like one of those little scratch matches. If he smashes it, then yeah, he'll probably come but back. But I yeah. think he would come back sooner rather than later. It's not like an ACL where you need a really big amount of time. Yeah, that's uh, okay. So I, I, I tend to agree. I think Cogs is still on the chopping block, but not for probably a fortnight. Exactly. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of really solid players in there. Tom Green did enough where I think that Haley probably comes out before him when the likes of Ward comes back in. Um, I mean, realistically, Jacob Hopper was probably the least performing of all the midfielders. Yeah. But he, he plays an integral role for them. I don't think Hopper is ever getting dropped from this GWS side. Yeah, I think Hopper's probably the most like-for-like with Ward. Yeah, but they'll, they'll get rid of Sheridan. It'll be the the guy they bought in for Ward. It that's, will be that's the first one out. But once Taranto is back in, that's when I start to get worried about some of those guys like Haley. And oh, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Um, so they really have a little audition for the next few weeks. Yeah. Hawthorne's side of the ledger, uh, big boy McAvoy, um, after just being found out in defence, um, comes back and smashes it with a couple of goals up forward. Uh, yep. Really confusing what's happening there. Um, and then the usual suspects in the midfield. Exactly. Warpool, O'Meara, Mitchell. Solid without being impressive. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wingard again, a 62. Not super happy with that, given I brought him in this week, but I still think he's he's up there as far as forwards are concerned. He's, he's on my, my short list. Yep. And uh, just a uh, quick mention there for Johnny Segler, 53. Still not quite below 50 like I predicted, <laughs> but... He's trending down, mate. He is trending. He he's trending down, but you just said McAvoy spent more time up the ground this game. He did, which is obviously going to impact on Segler's score, and also in the ruck as well, yeah. because he just uh, he was found out in the forward line, honestly. Yeah. Um, okay, and that's the round that was. So hopefully these uh, these musings have helped you out a little bit. Try and figure oh. out players you'd like. So one more guy to quickly touch on, oh, um, and. I didn't actually watch much of this game. I was busy. So, the debutante for Hawthorne, um, Jones. Did anything there to stand out about him? Nope. Um, nope. He probably gets dropped this week. Um, absolutely nothing to talk about there, I think. Like, Perfect. There are a lot of underperforming guys in this, and there are some injuries to their team, but I think, honestly, Harry Jones probably goes out of the side this week. Too easy. Unfortunately. All right. So, we'll uh, we'll jump straight into some, uh, some questions, because we've got an awful lot this week again, which is great to see. Don't forget to keep them coming in at Extended Bench AU. But, uh, but yeah, so let's jump straight in. And the first question, uh, we've got a couple actually from Craig at Subdub. Uh, he asks, should I still trade in McCluggage if Zorko is back this week? Yes, from me. 
before he went out injured, Zorko from the games I'd seen seemed to be playing a lot up forward. So I don't think that he coming in is going to impact on McCluggage's midfield time that much. Agree 100%. If you were really going to bring McCluggage in and you really wanted that move, I don't think the Zorko coming back in would affect his scoring that much. Um, Particularly if he's coming back from a, a, was it an Achilles? Sore Achilles, I think it was. Then they're not going to bring him straight back in to run extended midfield minutes. They'll ease him back in through the forward line. Agree. Um, His second question is, I don't like either, but who is the better option of Caulfield and Core? Don't like either, mate. Um, May have to upgrade a rookie, but have limited cash. So, I mean, we talked about how much we like Caulfield. Yep. So I've got them broken down next to each other here. Um, Caulfield, 495k versus 408 to core. So you're spending an extra 90-odd grand yeah. for Caulfield. And that is valuable with two trades. It is. Break-even, both good. Caulfield's zero. Core's negative seven. Call that a draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caulfield scores a 44, 73, 61, 84. Core is 37, 36, 79, 76, and a 50. Um, so core has got the highest scores, but he's also got some of the lower scores. Yeah. Um, Coff- very, very big that, standard deviation there. Though. Yeah, this is where it kind of really, for me, Caulfield plays Frio and then Adelaide, and Core plays Port and then Brisbane. Mm. And in terms of role, Caulfield's playing that rebounding outside def- half-back role plus six, six that player. we really like. Core is, I think, just playing a... He's, he's just in good form, he's fit, and he's backing himself. So I didn't see a huge amount of this game, but what I did see, I did pay attention to Core this week, and it looked like he was not necessarily playing as the loose intercept guy. He was just backing himself, reading the ball, and playing almost that kind of... I don't know. He's not playing the Haynes role, but he, he's just impacting the ball Honestly, from his I, own reading of it. I so think- I'm going Caulfield. I'm Even going, though he's 90k more. I'm going Caulfield as well. I think that, honestly, there's a lot of... Um, uh, there were a lot of players in this game, uh, those halfback sort of players for GWS, who just absolutely dominated. Like, we're talking Haynes. Perryman was playing back there. Whitfield was Perryman playing back went, there. Went to Zerk, Shaw, there. 91. Um, you had... Um, uh, obviously, we're talking about Core with 50, which was average. Um, uh, Daniel Lloyd playing a little bit off halfback, 76 as well. I, I honestly think that some games that Core is going to struggle, whereas Caulfield is put in more of a position where he can score at the moment with his role. I'm going yep. Caulfield if you have the extra cash, yep. but if you're strapped, Core. Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, all right, question from Dudders, who asks, Burn Jones a must-trade? Is Burn Jones a must-trade? Uh, looks like he's playing full uh, lockdown role. Um, I didn't see this particular game, so I can't come in on the role, but yes, I agree. I think he is a must-trade. If you've got him, 623k, break-even of 74. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's playing GWS and Colt. His average has gone down to 65.2 as a result as well, so I think his break-even is on. well above his um, uh, score. I think you've got to move him on. I've never been a big fan of Darcy Byrne-Jones from a fantasy point of view, because basically every year... He's basically the Joel Selwood of defense, where he, for about three to four week period, he monsters it, absolutely mm. monsters it. And it generally does happen against the lesser teams where he does not have to play on someone. Yeah. And then because he's a, a, you know, a still a defender, 
against those harder teams, he struggles to score points. Yeah, I think coming out of defence, they're wanting the ball in Hartlett's hands more than Burn Jones at yep, the moment. I agree. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's probably more likely to play a lockdown role. Um, from Tyson Parcell, uh, he says, uh, thanks for the Jack Steele suggestion last week. Saved my life, mate. You're more than welcome. Um, is Bailey Smith still considered a top six forward? I know he was injured this week, but is his scoring drying up? Uh, first of all, good job taking the steal suggestion. I wish I'd done the same. Um, boy. But in terms of your question, uh, yeah, top six forwards. So I have had a bit of a look at some numbers here. So for me, if I'm looking at what we've got at the moment, I'm thinking the top six is probably going to be Petrarca, who's currently averaging 88, which is the equivalent of 110. Yep. Uh, Walters, currently averaging 81, the equivalent of 101. Simpkin, 82. 102. Um, I've still got Wingard in there at 81. I've got Wingard in there too. So that's four. I think when he comes back, Sidebottom will be up there at the end of the year. He's currently averaging 94 for an average for the equivalent of 117. And then that leaves one spot in the top six yep. for me, which for me is probably coming down to someone from Parfit, Tucker, Ebert, or Bailey Smith. You don't have Dusty in there. I don't know. Interesting. See, I would just put Dusty in there because I know he's going to put it... I feel like he's going to put it together at some stage. But I think that other list you just gave of Ebert, Tucker and Parfit adds that uh, sort of... uh, uh, That point of difference player. I think you're giving Dusty a free hit based on name value. Which... True, but that's what you have to do occasionally with some of these big players because we know what Dusty's done. It's not just name value like a a bont where he genuinely has performed poorly from a fantasy. Well, what's point of Dusty's view. scores this year? Uh, not good, average. Which? How does that support your argument? Uh, well, he's Dusty. He's going to bounce back. No, you, you said that. No. So Dusty. Hey, in so the, how is that different to Bont? So Dusty was the second highest scoring forward last year. Yep. That's one of the reasons why I'm putting that in. It's like last the, year. Bont, the Bont has never been in the top ten, you know, midfielders. He's never yeah, been okay. close I'll, to that. I'll give you that. But again, and, I think Dusty is another guy who is suffering from the lack of crowds. He's not playing at home. He's going to be away for the next month. That is. He's a had argument. a bad year so far. He's had niggles. I. I think you're giving him a free hit based on name value. I would much rather back in someone who is already delivering okay. and who's probably got more money to make. And then if they start to plateau, then I'll move sideways to someone else who's going well. So at the moment, I'm looking at Parfit, Tucker, Ebert or Bailey. Ebert, there's a big question mark on how he goes against the stronger teams. Tucker, I'm just not comfortable in my gut with. Bailey Smith is averaging currently 77. No, sorry. Before his concussion, he was averaging 77. Um, but his that was off the back of two 90s to start the year. His mm. last two games were, six, were like 60 and 61. So he had plateaued out. So at the moment, I've got him behind Parfit, who's currently going at 87. Interesting. three games. So just, just for the listeners' uh, uh, advantage, so Dusty's scores are... 90, 75, 54 on the return game from an injury, mm-hmm. and 67. So he was in good form prior to the injury. Prior to the injury, he was averaging mid-80s as a forward. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. As a forward. And again, Dusty's got history of performing very well. I, I guess, too, the other thing you've got to take into account, with Cochin and Prestia out, he's going to be the main man in that midfield. Exactly. And that's a big. that's another big consideration. 
He is 670k. 690k, sorry, this week. Like you said, break-even of 65. This is his bottom point, I would suggest. Break-even of what, This is his bottom out. 65. Yeah, right. I'll add him to my watch list. There we go. There we go. Sorry, I had him taken into account the Cochin and Prestia missing. That's the thing that's selling it Decent arguments, though, also with being away from the MCG. He performs very, very well at the MCG. Or alternatively, the other counter to that, Prestia and Cochin out. He's the... uh, Plus no Shane Edwards in the midfield. He's the main man there. If they stick a hard tag on him, who else in that midfield is there? Yeah, true. No, he's, he's going to get the tag. If you stop him, you're potentially stopping Richmond. He's getting the hard tag every single week, which I get, you know how I feel about the tag. So it's, it. I'm not sure how it's going to even but out. It's going to be tough. To answer your, your question, we've got a very roundabout way, but um, I think that Bailey Smith should not be considered a top six forward for the end of the year at this stage. No, no. But in saying that, if he plays this week... He's probably a hold from me just because there are so many other issues going on in fantasy football. Rookies that might not play who have sort of topped out like Taylor um, uh, Taylor Brown who might need to be traded out for a, a newly debuting rookie. Um, maybe upping Raul to someone, obviously, someone yeah. like that. There, there's a lot of issues going on there. Hooli, players like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, from t one of our mates, t asks, Lloyd or Whitfield the priority? I think based on price, I'm going Lloyd because I think he's bottomed out. I'm going Whitfield. I think he's bottomed out. I actually haven't looked at Whitfield's price. Ah, all right. So I've traded Whitfield in temporarily into my midfield for Raul because he's priced at 677k with a break even of 43. He is my number one trade in priority this week. Is this the first we're talking about him now? Because I waited for this question. Ah, I knew this question was coming up. And Whitfield at 670k with a break-even of 43, number one priority. That is excluding all of those midfielders that we listed. Um, If Mm. you are forced to bring Whitfield into the midfield via Raul, I don't mind that at all. It only costs you about 140k to do that. I just realised too, he's a forward, isn't he? He is. Why isn't he on my list? Have you not got him on your forwards list? I thought he was... Who have you got? You got Wingard? No. So basically, move all of those last three off, and side bottom is the sixth man, with Dusty yep. Pot being a possibility. So you're, the top six forwards are Whitfield, number one, Petrarca, Walters, Simpkin, Wingard, and side bottom. Yep. Yep. Yep, he, I agree. And Wingard, is. probably the most at risk of losing his spot to someone else. Um, okay, so, yeah, Whitfield's a priority for me, over Lloyd. He's just so cheap, and he's going to go up in, ca- in price so much quicker with that low break even. Um, yeah. Jacob Miller asks, trade Bailey Smith to bolter the back line with a Haynes. Uh, allows me to field Taylor slash Vandermeer instead of Rivers. Uh, so, trade Bailey Smith to bolster back line with a Haynes. Allows me to field Taylor Vandermeer. Look, I mean, I assume the question is, do you want to trade Bailey Smith to do that? And as long as you don't have a massive other issues going on where there's potential donuts... I don't mind it. Uh, I, I quite like it. Yeah. I, I think Smith is someone that you could look to move on yeah. if you don't have bigger issues. Yeah, I, suppose I like Haynes' role, mm-hmm. and I'm happy feeling, fielding Taylor in the forward line. Yeah, me too. And all, all oh, or Vandermeer. I'd probably go Taylor ahead well. of him, but yeah, I'm happy with either of them. Yeah, because Vandermeer's had one right out of the blocks, but mm. Taylor's been quite consistently solid. Um, Goonbag Fantasies asks, is it more wise to get underpriced premiums like Yo than upgrading to top dogs like Neil and Gaff, etc.? Um, 
I think it depends on the underpriced premium. So if you think that they're underpriced for a reason that's changing and they can turn it around, then I'm all for it. Um, or if you're looking at them potentially as a stepping stone because you think they're going on a on a run and they're going to increase in price. Like a yo who looks like he's come back into some form and Shui is out at the moment. Yeah, but if it's an underpriced premium who's got a sustained issue that's holding them back for some reason, like your theory on Bond, then I'm less sold on it. So I think it is kind of contextual. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, honestly, I, I think that it just depends on where your team is at as well. Like, if you're really struggling for cash and you've got off to a, a pretty average start to the year and you need to start putting some points on the board, obviously you can look at some of those underpriced premiums to try and bolster your team that little bit. But if you've gotten off to a really good start, maybe you're looking at pushing into the top, maybe even top 100 rankings or top 500 rankings, that's when you start need to look start needing to look at the big dogs because you, you need to cancel that point of difference if you're for if you don't have like a gorn a grundy a neil you're going you're just going you're not to, to make the those. ground up exactly uh, next question comes from a uh, good mate of the podcast brody uh asks a couple actually he's up for salary cap he's asking how are we feeling about keys and ridley so we spoke about ridley a little bit earlier but what about keys uh scores are 30 68 72 59 uh, he's got West Coast next, mid forward, 425,000, break even of negative one. Um, I am more interested in him in um, draft, I think, if he's available as potentially a streamer. I'm. Too Look, much, of a, too much of a left field pick for me. He's cheap enough that, y- yeah, you could maybe use him as a stepping stone. My concern is if you end up being stuck with him for an extended period of time. Yeah, no, I, but I, I, I'm not against it in principle. Ridley, I don't mind, but Keys, no for me. Um, I know he's significantly cheaper, but no, I, I just can't get on board with Keys. Um, uh, the keeper's question is, uh, he asks, every year people put an extreme value on youth uh, and high draft picks with the expectation they will eventually succeed. Who are some recent-ishly drafted players who you think will fail to reach their potential? Thanks, Brody. You're trying to make us do research, mate? What the fuck? <laughs> Luckily, I had some time today, so I did actually come up with some, some names. All right, throw some So I will me. throw some names at you. You tell me if you think they will fail to reach their potential. All right, I like this game. I'm going to go backwards from 2018, All the right. 2018 draft. I'm not going to look at the 2019 draft because it's too, too soon. soon to make any calls. I've got two names from 2018. All right. Chase Jones, Adelaide, pick nine. So the two years he's played, he's averaged 45 off eight games, and this year 32 off five games. Um, if he retains forward status, I think he could come into it, but if he plays through the midfield, no, he won't average well enough. Not for Adelaide. All right. So no, he won't reach what people may have thought when he was drafted, in terms of fantasy. Mm-hmm. All righty. Um, Liam Stocker from Carlton, pick 19. 45 um, off five games in his first year and nothing this year. No, I was very confused by that pick at the when it happened, and no, I don't think he'll reach his potential, his fantasy potential. All right, next one is potentially contentious. Number one draft pick, Cam Rayner from 2017. Interesting one. I think that he will start to come into it because he'll hold that forward status. He's already shown a slight increase this year. 
he might be similar to a Petrarca style player where it's really Real closer, to his, burn. closer to his fifth, sixth year Wait, that he really comes in. Makes sense. He's the player that they were always kind of relating him to. Was mm-hmm. it? Either, I think it was either Dusty and or Petrarca. Mm. Um, but yeah, so he's gone 58 off 22 games, 45 off 22 games, and then this year 50 off five games. Yeah. So a bit of a jump from his second year. I think the fact he's going to hold that forward status does save him a bit. Agreed. I agree. Um, also, 2017, we have Paddy Dow with pick three from Carlton. No, not getting there. You think he's going to fail? Absolutely. 55 off 20 games and then 53 off 19 games. No, he'd, he'd be a drop for me in uh, keeper leagues. He's just not doing anything, not getting a game. Um, he is injured at the moment. I know, I know he's injured at the moment, but even when he was playing, he's he looks more like a, a one-touch player than he does an accumulating player. And it's, it's just a no from me. Yep, yeah, okay, interesting. Um, I would probably give him the rest of this year when, when he gets back, see if he gets back in the team. Oh, sorry, yeah, it's a drop at the end of the year. Yeah. He's one of those long-term holds that yeah. you really have to take into account when you're dropping players prior mm. to your redraft. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, no, I wouldn't be dropping him this, like, yeah. next week and, or this week. And the fact, that, but for me, the fact that it's a shortened season as well, I may even give him the beginning of next year as well just to see how he goes. Yep. Um, but I do tend to agree. I don't think he's necessarily going to be that accumulator you need. Uh, next one is the very next pick in the 2017 draft. Pick four, Luke Davies Uniaki from North. Your boy. My boy. <laughs> so he's gone 40 off seven games and then 53 off 14 games. Nothing this year because he's had the groin issue. Um, his career high is 90, and his next highest scores are 70 and 71. Woo! Are you still on board with LDU? Mate, I've been off the uh, LDU train for about a year now. It's not... Seriously, I'm almost positive that in the preseason <laughs> oh, you were still... Apology, apologies. I said in the preseason, if he's unowned in a keeper league and he's fit that you can go and pick him with your very last pick in the draft and hope for a, a stash. But with groin injuries on top of performance and some of North Melbourne's young midfield brigade coming up through, guys like Taron Thomas Simpkin really going from a forward role to a midfield, I didn't expect that. Yeah, I think both of those guys have definitely jumped him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, And even Ahern is probably ahead of him at the moment. Yeah, I, honestly, he's, he's out. He's completely out. He's definitely not living up to fantasy potential. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next, so now we've got the final two are from the 2016 draft. We've got Will Brody for Gold Coast, pick nine. Uh, 64 off three games, 68 off eight games, 87 off eight games, and then 45 off one game this year. If he plays, if he gets traded, maybe. But if he stays at the Gold Coast, no, he's not getting a game. If yeah, Fiorini's not getting a game, I don't think Brody's again, getting I a game. I think he's a guy who's been well bypassed yeah. by a number of other guys. Agreed. Um, there is the very small chance that as some of the other guys that have been drafted hit second or third year blues, he might get a little mini resurgence if he stays, but I don't think it'll be enough to really keep him moving forward. Yep, I agree. Final one, Jordan Gallucci from Adelaide. Just a no. Don't even need to hit the stats. He's not, <laughs> no, not, not a chance. He's not getting yep. I, I thought becoming fantasy role. Pre-season, he was on my watch list as a, this is his final chance to really show something with speed and outside touch in that one-pace midfield. But the um, his that injury he's had, yep. 
Just, just no. No, absolutely no from me. All right. So Anyone else that's jumping to, off the top of your head to you? Nope. Uh, LDU was the one I knew you'd bring up, and uh, it hurts to say, but nah, he's no chance. Um, next question is from Dim Slickies, who asks, would you tick this trade off Hooley to Lloyd and then Raul to Whitfield? You're bloody right I would. That's a damn good trade. Love it. Do it. Just do it every day of the week, Absolutely mate. Absolutely love it. Um Tim Guest uh, says, Boys, you dissed my question last week about Aiden Core. Clearly something is different. Any chance you could actually consider why the big change in scoring? Is it role change, others in and out of the side, etc.? Oh, this is probably um, on me. So I'll start off by saying, sorry, I... um, I realised after we finished the pod last week that my response to your question was... um, yeah, a bit of a diss. So sorry, that's not what I intended. Uh, I'm pretty I was, sure you did intend it. No, I, I was. I was no, I was genuinely just surprised he was actually in the conversation because I hadn't watched that many of his games closely. I did pay more attention to him this week, um, and I think we have. I've, I've run through some of his numbers already. Um, for me, he is still probably not someone I'm really looking at closely for salary cap for the reasons I talked about before. I don't think that it's necessarily that intercept role he's playing. I think he's just in good form. He's fit, which has been an issue for him over his career, and he's backing himself and reading the ball and and just intercepting it off the boot. Mm -hmm. Um, His scores have been a little bit up and down. This is, I think, only his second year where he's actually played a decent number of games in a row. Um, And only... Where is it? Only two times before this year has he actually gone back-to-back scores higher than 60. Mm-hmm. In 2017 once, and in 2018 once. So there's not enough historical data for me to really have any confidence bringing him in. Um, role change, I don't think he's getting an incre- I mean, obviously last week we saw all the halfbacks dominate for GWS, and he was the one who got the 50 while the others got 90s and 100s. And- which for me says he's not necessarily the guy that they're looking to use as the outlet, and probably supports the fact that he's when he's winning his touches, he's winning them because he's just reading the ball well. Exactly. So I, I, I'm honestly, again, I, I would prefer someone like Caulfield if you've got the coin. It's, he's not the worst idea. Um, yeah, if you, at four hundred k, if yeah. you need to, I'm I'm happy to to bring him in. But I would be, if I had the option, I would probably be wanting the extra, paying yeah. the extra to bring Caulfield yeah. in. And also keep in mind, we were worried about Phil Davis taking his place in the team last week, which definitely made me think that Core is going to get more of a tall lockdown role. Yeah. So um, as it is, Davis got up and played fine, but great. Davis is always a. a a marking contest away from um, having <laughs> from, an injury. Exactly. Um, all right, last question comes from Caleb St. Atha, who asks, rate these as a second rock in redraft leagues. Note, it's bad. Um, Darcy, Stanley, Big O, Sinclair, Bolter, Soldo, and all the other rubbish rock forwards nobody has. <laughs> Jesus Christ, mate, you're not wrong. It's um, a pretty rough list. So, look, if I was just off the top of my head, I know you've done some numbers, and I'll see if these line up. Yep. My top one would be, I'd be going Darcy first, because when he plays, he's the number one rock. Interesting. Uh, I would be going Bolter second mm-hmm. for all the reasons that you listed before. Mm-hmm. I would be going Soldo. Actually, yes, Soldo third mm-hmm. because Nankervis is out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big O next because he has been performing quite solidly. Uh, Stanley second last and then Sinclair last. Interesting. Quite different to my list. Mm. Sinclair because he's just 
he's injured and constantly re-injures himself. He's... I, I guess with redraft, I, you can pick I him think, up and drop him if necessary. I think the fact that all of these guys are options means you can probably stream. So you're yeah. probably not going a set and forget. You are probably streaming them. Uh, but so your so your rankings will be for this week only. Uh, no, I actually have done sort of longer term rankings. I haven't done streaming rankings, but I have taken into account who they're playing. So I've got Soldo number one mm-hmm. because he's playing Sydney, and because Nank is out. Gotcha. Like uh, that pick. So Sydney, if Sinclair's back, then he's playing Sinclair, who does give up points. If Sinclair's not there, it's even better for him. Mm-hmm. I've got Bolter number two. Um, for everything we've talked about previously. Um, I've got Sinclair number three, assuming he comes back, because if he comes back, he's playing the number one ruck roll, and he's averaging 61 for the year. Um, And he plays Richmond and Gold Coast, so, yeah, not terrible. Uh, Number four, I've got Stanley. Again, if he's fit and comes back into the team, um, is the big, big proviso there. I've got Darcy at five, because he's only averaging 36.7 for the year. Is he only averaging 36? All right, r- remove him from the top so of my I, list. I think one of those might be injury affected. Still remove him from the top of my list. But that's that a hurts. really low average for a number one ruck. That was off the top of my head. I, I'm not standing behind those claims. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then number six, I've got McInerney. I could quite easily be convinced to move him ahead of Darcy and probably Stanley as well on the f- basis he is actually playing. Um, it's just he's playing as, as a forward mm. primarily. No, mate, I um, like those rankings. And in terms of the other rubbish ruck forwards nobody has, um, I would, if you're having to stream someone, I'd have McKernan in the conversation just on the basis of if it's a good matchup for him, he can snag a few goals that will boost his score a bit. Yeah, no, I do like McKernan on the off game. He's a, he's a good one for uh, Risk It For The Biscuit, which we've done in the past. Okay, so that is the last of your questions. Thank you so much for sending them in, everyone out there. Don't forget, you can find us at ExtendedBenchAU on Twitter. Always happy to help you out in a pinch or with any fantasy footy questions you have. And that is this week's podcast done. Thank you all for joining us. Matt, thanks for being here and taking us through all the uh, tremendous research that you've done. <laughs> Yeah, I had a little bit of time today, so and I looked at the questions. Was like, oh shit, I don't want to answer these off the top of my head. <laughs> um, and uh, also, we will be making sure to post our risk it picks this week. I know last week we didn't do it. We said we were going to. No, don't look at me. Yeah, I know. I know it was all me. Don't you? Don't you worry about that. But you, you control the, uh, the I, Twitter account. I control the Twitter account. I'll make sure to post the risk it picks this week, so you can find some guys to stream off your waiver wire for this one particular week. Um, and until next week, hopefully you guys smash it out of the park this weekend. Hopefully we don't have too many rookie just carnage oh, coming I'm, up. I've got my fingers crossed for Thursday because I'm really worried. And good luck, everyone, heading into this week's matchups. We'll see you next week. Catch gotcha. you.